in our previous episode we left off with the idea that hunting might actually be beneficial to some of the wildlife in indian forests in this episode we look at what happened immediately after india became an independent country remember in 1947 when india was free of british rule life was a bit of a struggle for a lot of indians so the leaders of the country had to ensure people had enough food to eat they all had a place to live they all had a job that could help them earn money so conserving our forests and animals those may not have been as critical to them at that juncture would you agree yes ma'am so that is exactly what happened for a while locals who lived in and around forests or even people who lived a little farther away hunted uh, for our wildlife one of the most widely hunted creature was a tiger what do you think people hunted a tiger for i think for its skin another very popularly hunted creature was the rhino what do you think a rhino was hunted for horn and elephants also were widely hunted for the tusks for the tusks for the tusks yeah crocodiles and snakes also used to be hunted i think for the skin again or maybe their teeth also and snake venom is used for many medical purposes absolutely right yes all of these uh, were commonly hunted even tortoises used to be hunted do you know why for their shells yeah for their shell and even for their meat apparently in the midst of all of this there were very very few people who were paying attention to the precipitously low numbers of wildlife in our forests so in this episode we are going to talk about a few people who are remarkable people who worked day and night tirelessly towards getting the attention of the leaders of the country to tell them look something's really wrong with the wildlife and our forest we need to stop all that's going on right now for uh, all our listeners who are listening to this episode this episode is part 2 of our wildlife series in part 1 we spoke about hunting in british india this is part 2 and uh, this is your host sangeeta from what's new today a podcast for kids and families joining me in this episode uh, you must have already heard three different voices so let me introduce them to you my name is arashing mandral and i study in 5th grade in bal bharti public school dwarka delhi i am 10 years old hello everyone my name is anaya rawat i study in class 6 day of bal bharti public school dwarka i live in new delhi and i really enjoy reading and dancing Hi, my name is Priya Taneja. I'm in sixth day, Bal Bharti Public School, Dwarka. I really enjoy reading the most. Uh, it's wonderful to hear all three voices. Welcome, Arav, Anaya, and Tia. I know you all said that you loved reading. Have you read stories about wildlife, poachers, hunting? Any such stories? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. When I was little, I had a small book. in that book it was mentioned why each and every animal was hunted and that's how i got my knowledge why elephants are hunted tigers are hunted crocodiles and etc are hunted yeah talking about being hunted by humans right 
not by other creatures in the form well, each other as well the whole ecosystem okay yeah. are what did you read about mam i read about how poaching is done by elephants are killed and why tigers and rhinoceros wow these were stories you read yes mam do you remember the name of the story so we can recommend it to our listeners mam no mam Don't remember. Okay, that's fine. So it's nice that there are stories that also sensitize children to how poachers can hurt animals in our forests. But before Arav and Tia and Anaya could be sensitized, ah, uh, the leaders of India had to be sensitized, right? That poachers were hurting the wildlife in our forests. So the first person we are going to be talking about is a man who gifted the Prime Minister of India. a basket full of tiger cubs on her birthday who is it and why do you think he gifted indira gandhi a basket full of tiger cubs on her birthday ma'am his name was kailash shankla i think that um, he gave indira gandhi a basket full of cubs to uh, help her remind that they are going to be extinct and uh, we need to save them that is my guess too i don't have kailash sankla's word here uh, why exactly he gifted kailash sankla was the first person in india to have done a country wide survey and he went from forest to forest to forest in india and he counted the number of tigers he found out that there were just about 1400 tigers left somewhere in the 19 late 1960s or early 1970s whereas india had had 40000 tigers just in 1900 in the year 1900 uh, and we had just about 1400 tigers left you can take a big print out or you can draw a chart and you can take it to indira gandhi and show her ma'am the number of tigers have gone down from 40000 to 1400 and you can also give her a basket full of tiger cubs to say look these are some of the last few cubs left in this country we need to do something to preserve them that could have been another way for him to drive home the point that tigers were seriously endangered do you know anything else about kailash sankla why did he start becoming so caring about tigers specifically I think that there was a part in which he said that he had killed a tiger, and he still remembered the fresh morning and the eyes he saw, the sadness in the tiger. So since then, he had a passion for saving them. That's what even I've read. So in the 1950s, when he had the authority to both hunt animals and the authority to give others permits to hunt animals. One day, I think he too went inside a forest reserve in Saraska and he killed a tiger. The sentence he writes in one of his memoirs is very moving. Like you rightly said, he says, "I remember vividly the look on the tiger's eyes. It was almost like it was telling me, 'Why did you kill me? What harm did I do to you? I am living in the forest, living my life. I'm not hurting you in any way. Why did you have to kill me?'" and from that day on kalar sankhla decided that he would dedicate his life to saving tigers one last story that i found very moving is about what he did in the zoo of delhi so have any of you gone to zoos before i have am i okay uh, have you been to circuses as well but i was quite little 
Mom, I just think that in the zoo they're practically caged. I've seen a lot. Most animals are are quite angry at each other and just want to get out. Mm-hmm. There was a story what uh, that Naya said that when he when Kela uh, killed the tiger, he saw the vivid uh, vivid look in it, in the tiger's eyes. So I think that's probably uh, and that's the same look that each animal has in the zoo. I think both of you are right. Uh, so you may be surprised uh, in hearing this. In the 1950s and 60s, in some zoos, especially I believe in the zoo in Delhi, it was common for animals to perform when the audience came to see the animal from you know when they were walking from one zoo to zoo. Kailash Sankara was the man who put an end to it. He said, "If you want to come and see the animal, you're welcome to come. But I'm not waking up a, a sleeping tiger or a sleeping elephant and ask them to do a bunch of tricks. If they are sleeping, you will see them sleeping." Wow! Uh, so he made that very important path-breaking change in Indian zoos. I don't think any of us has seen an animal performing in a zoo, have we? No, no ma'am. ma'am. No, ma'am. Yeah. Are you happy? Yes, yes ma'am. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So we have one man to thank. Kailar Sankala, and if you Google Tiger Man of India, that is the name that will crop up. Now, moving on to another person was a man who also goes by the name Bird Man of India. What do we know about him? Ma'am, he is uh, Salim Ali. Ma'am, when Salim was a ten-year-old boy, ma'am, we saw a flying bird and shot it down. Now, ma'am, Salim was very tender at the heart, so he quickly ran and picked the bird up. Ma'am, it looked like a house sparrow, but it had a strange yellow shade on the neck. So, Salim took the bird to his uncle Amiruddin and asked for the bird's kind. I have just a quick question. You know, in the early part of the story, you were telling me that uh, Salim Ali shot a bird. Then you said he was tender at heart. Do you think a te- a boy who is tender at heart would shoot a bird? Mom, may I? Yeah, yeah, Tia. At the time, wasn't there lots of pressure for boys to boys to kill, hunt, and ex- etc.? I don't know if there was any pressure though from his uncle, but certainly it was very common in those days. For people to take something called an air gun and shoot birds. and they would take that bird and roast it and you know eat it so one would imagine he lived or he grew up somewhere deep inside a forest is that how you all are imagining salim ali now yes yes ma'am no he grew up in mumbai it was a city full fledged city even then so what i'm trying to say is in the late 1800s right in british india it was not unusual even for people living in cities to kill birds 
uh, they know that's what they did you know if they had to eat a bird they would kill it so while everybody else around him other children around him were killing birds just to eat he was always also curious about the bird so when he noticed that this bird looks different and he took it to his uncle to ask him what bird is this and his uncle said i don't know the answer to this so whom did his uh, uncle send him to and his uncle sent him to douglas millard ma'am he was the honorary secretary of the bombay natural history society millard took uh, young salim to see many stuffed birds and ma'am then salim saw a bird similar to um, the house sparrow he got very interested and visited the society frequently Wow! Gradually, Salim Ali started developing an interest in identifying birds, observing their behavior. He was now no longer that keen on hunting the bird, killing it, and eating it, but he wanted to know how birds behave. What was of great help to a ten-year-old boy or a twelve-year-old boy was. the access he got to uh, the bombay natural history society which had a lot of big books and so he had a free access to it whenever he wanted he'd go look at the book and so that's how he learned how to identify so many different birds now if you all want to know if you wanted to go out and identify a bird in today's day and age in 2023 do you think you need to go to a place like a bombay natural society bombay no ma'am we can just simply google it Google it. Okay, what would you do to Google it? I mean, just um, we could click a photo of it because there's an option in Google in which you can click a photo and then search. We can use Chat GPT. I think we can paste a pic there. You'll paste a pic of the bird on Chat GPT and you'll find out, no? Yeah. <laughs> I love how you all know how to become a Salim Ali. Yeah, I had a doubt. If Salim Ali was so interactive with birds. what is his connection with tigers no no connection at all so we are talking not just about people who've conserved tigers we are talking about people who helped conserve many different kinds of living creatures we are talking about salim ali's story because he helped conserve india's birds so salim ali was the first person in india who walked across the length and the breadth of the country and he counted the number of birds he registered which species of birds lives in which part of the country can you see in any similarity with kelar sankhla there yes ma'am ma'am because kelar sankhla also did a survey in every part of india listing the number of tigers he found there yeah and uh, salim ali was the first man to do systematic bird surveys yep absolutely and just like elar sankla did everything he could to protect tigers salim ali campaigned to create one of india's best bird sanctuaries am bharatpur bird sanctuary yeah yeah so salim ali actually campaigned to create many bird sanctuaries bharatpur was one of the first there's also a bird sanctuary in karnataka called the ranganathittu bird sanctuary it's not very far from bangalore even that is in existence thanks to him there's a very beautiful national park in kerala which is called the silent valley national park and people were going to destroy it to build many 
cities uh, buildings and shops but ma'am salim ali helped to stop the destruction of the silent valley national park yeah again just like alar sankla went and spoke to indira gandhi he too took very very strong stands with the political leaders of india telling them look even the birds have to be protected you know right after indian independence when people were killing tigers and crocodiles and all they were also shooting a lot of birds so bharatpur was losing a lot of birds so salim ali was the bird man of india who helped us protect our birds okay coming to the last person we're going to be talking about in this recording was the man who was able to change all of this by bringing a law who are we talking about ma'am we're talking about mk ranjit singh ma'am i know that he joined the indian administrative services in 1961 he was born in a princely family he was born to royalty uh, he was born in the princely family in a princely family in gujarat uh, and he too was trained to hunt so if you see kailash sankla if you see dr salim ali or even mk ranjit singh many of them began their lives hunting because it was very common for people to do it but like many of these predecessors of his he too had a change of heart and he wanted to bring a change so in the first part of this episode series i'd spoken about how he had the opportunity to kill a tiger but he did not Uh, and what happened after that is something you can hear uh, if you want if you'd like to in going back to that episode coming back to M- mk ranjit singh he was like tia just said he was part of the uh, indian administrative services and he was part of india's forest services later in the 1970s you know around the time when kailash sankla had just given the tiger cubs as a gift and um, little after dr salim ali had protested against destroying silent valley national park and saying bharatpur needs to be preserved the birds there have to be given a sanctuary and all of that mk ranjit singh was a man uh, who was asked by indira gandhi in a meeting how can we preserve india's wildlife if you had been an indian forest service person and the prime minister of the country was asking you this question keep in mind this is a time when hunting was a perfectly accepted activity in india what would you have said ma'am i think that we should have made awareness about that how hunting animals can danger humans also so maybe people would listen about that and think again before hunting other animals Yeah I think that if there was something to be made to protect these wildlife this wildlife we would should have made a law a rule like with a really high fine ma'am but as you said and like you said before our conversation that keeping in mind that hunting was very popular so it could be that people might have started to protest against it and for many people hunting is the only source on which they survive so if they do not hunt they cannot eat so it could be that they might protest absolutely right and that is exactly what happened what tia had suggested which is you needed to bring a law which put a complete end to hunting 
that was the only way india could have protected its wildlife exactly like what anaya said a lot of people protested because there were traders who had uh, made all their money in life by telling selling tiger skins or you know a tortoise meat and suddenly you turn around and say uh, your source of earning money is illegal please go find something else that you can do it's going to be really hard what the government then did was they put their foot down and they said we understand that that is your soul that was your soul source of earning money but the loss to the country was going to be far bigger if we continued letting you all hunt all these creatures because in a few years nothing was going to be left to, for them anyway right but there is one community for which an exception was made and they said you can hunt which community do you think they would have allowed can you guess which the third group non vegetarians non vegetarians <laughs> they don't need to go personally take their gun go inside the forest and hunt for deer no it wasn't non vegetarians but very close guess any guesses no ma'am villagers and tribals very close certain tribes in the andaman and nicobar islands were allowed to hunt because these tribes lived deep inside the forest they had no connection no communication interaction with the rest of the world they went they ma'am, hunted they, they ate and still they ma'am they still use primitive tools and primitive ways to live yeah that's true even today if you go to andaman and nicobar islands you can find these tribes none of us should actually go to the islands where they live because they can harm us uh, certain select tribes so they were allowed to hunt because they were not hunting uh, you know like the poachers who wanted the skin to sell and earn profits they hunted for their survival and they were careful in how they hunted so they will not disrupt the ecosystem so badly that they'll kill all the tigers they would hunt just enough for their survival and they never sold what they hunted to outsiders so that one community was allowed to hunt so 1972 was the year when the wildlife protection act was passed and from that year on hunting ended in india how did you like the stories of about these three men salim ali kalar sankhla and mk ranjit singh what did you find most interesting about them about salim ali i did not i thought that he would have like tragic history like he had a very he was very attached to a pet bird and so suddenly uh, somebody shot it when it was flying away when <laughs> running away and then he decided i'm going to protect birds <laughs> and it turned out that he had a very happy childhood shooting and hunting birds and then all it took was a book in an encyclopedia and he started becoming a bird conservationist <laughs> lovely anything that i said that surprised you not much not much <laughs> you are not surprised at all that people used to hunt for wildlife and birds indiscriminately ma'am that i was surprised okay i found it very interesting like how they were all interconnected like they had killed someone and then they had a passion for saving them then they had service and all 
Nice. I love all your observations. Um, so hopefully, we'll all continue to carry the baton that has been passed on by people like them. Dr. Saleem Ali is no longer alive. MK Ranjit Singh is very much alive. You can listen to his interviews on YouTube if any of you likes to. Um, in fact, a lot of stories and information that I have found for this entire wildlife series, I got them from one of the memoirs that he has written. It's a fascinating memoir. I don't know if children of your age can read it, but if any adults would like to read it, I'm happy to leave a link to this. Um, you can buy this book on Amazon or any of the online sources. But in case you would like to just find out more about the entire wildlife journey of India, I highly recommend you come back and listen to the rest of the episodes in this podcast series. The next episode is about Project Tiger, which was launched immediately after the Wildlife Protection Act. Join us in that series, which will be released next Monday. Uh, thank you so much, Tia, Arav and Anaya. I had a wonderful time chatting with the three of you. I hope you enjoyed this too. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma was this like uh, what you thought a podcast recording would be? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. Ma'am, I thought you were a robot. You were, I was a robot. Yeah. I thought you were a robot. First, I had to fill like all the information I had. Then you would come and then you would all take the information, make us a script and then we would like... Ma'am, I thought that you will ask us uh, everything we had learned... Uh, and then, ma'am, you would wrap up the episode. You'll come prepared with a speech. Yes, ma'am. That is not what you did. <laughs> okay, what about Anaya? Ma'am, I thought that everything would be systematic. Like, you would be telling us what to do and then we would. But instead, here, we just said what we thought. We, we, had, we had a chance to talk about our own opinions and not what you sent us. So you thought all along all podcasts were scripted? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> no, not a single podcast that I have hosted so far has been scripted. So I'm happy that um, we can lay that speculation to rest. Thanks once again for, uh, for all the research that the three of you did. So I'm glad that you spent some time reading about each of these people. And uh, we got to share our honest opinions about them. There is only one part that I do script at the end of every episode, which is I request my co-host to say thanks for listening. So can we say thanks for listening once together? Thanks for listening. Wait, wait, wait. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go. I'll go three, two, one, go and then we'll say it together. Shall we? Yes. Okay. Thanks, thanks for listening. listening. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye, ma'am. Bye, ma'am. Bye, ma